0: In my many years of experience, I can tell you now that it's something much deeper that you're likely not even aware of yet. It's like a client who comes to you saying they need a website or Facebook ads or maybe a mobile app developed, but they don't even realize the deeper challenge or opportunity that's blocking them from success. Now, if you'd like to find out what your deeper challenge is, then I wanna invite you to apply for a YouGurus strategy call where we'll dig into those underlying issues and get you moving forward like never before. The aha moments will shift the way you think forever and you'll finally get the answers as to why your business hasn't taken off. The number one most important decision to rapidly grow your business starts by booking your strategy call. Go to UGurus.com slash apply to start your application process for this free call. Once again, go to yougurus.com slash apply to get started. All right, let's introduce today's guest. Hey, what's up podcast listeners, digital agency owners. Welcome to another episode of the Digital Agency Show. I'm your host, Brent Weaver, and today we are joined with Shelby Larson, who since 2007 has grown two successful agencies from inception to seven figures. This includes building teams of over 100 talented individuals, creating robust SOP systems, creating and managing financial projections and budgets, and frequently uh, a keynote speaker at business and marketing conferences. Um, Her current company, Intentional Media, is backed by a team of over 70 graphic designers, advertisers, and web strategists, content writers, and marketers. Welcome to the program, Shelby.
1: Thank you. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, so Shelby, we, uh, we've we known each other for a few years. I think back in, uh, I'm trying to think here, 2014 maybe was when we met through a, a Maverick event.
1: Yeah, and I think our friendship led to the famous panda costume.
0: <laughs> there could be a panda costume somewhere in the mix. Uh, yes, I think there is a picture of us. Um, you were, we we were each of us were like uh one of the the google uh, updates maybe you were hummingbird and, like that. and i think or i or was panda we, i think
1: i was a social butterfly representing social media <laughs>
0: <laughs> perfect um and, and so you've had a couple of of different agencies uh i mentioned your current agency intentional media um give us kind of the the 30 second elevator pitch on what you guys are currently doing uh in that agency
1: Yeah, great. So so Intentional Media was born of a merger between my organic marketing company that's heavily uh, stems from Content Diva as my original company, and a paid traffic and data analytics company in Austin called Clear Digital. And, And combining those two sides of the coin, we created Intentional Media, and we're a full scale digital marketing agency. So we, while we do it all, um, I think anybody who says they're world-class at everything is lying. Uh, we're world-class in four areas. We're strong in everywhere we are offerings, but we're we're world-class at um, AdWords paid traffic, uh, the or psychographic demo, demo of um, Google and figuring out intention, content marketing, and Amazon. Those are like really our... We just like challenge you to be better at us in those areas and then... You know, but we pretty much, if it's digital, we do it, and we just are having a good time. The merger was great,
0: and maybe we can come back to uh the conversation of, of mergers for agencies in general. Um, but I, I want to talk about something today that uh is, is probably related to uh most entrepreneurs, and that is overcoming adversity this idea that. Uh, on a long enough timeline as an entrepreneur, you're probably going to face some pretty huge obstacles either in your professional or uh, your personal life that will ultimately affect your professional life and maybe things that happen in your professional life that affect your uh, personal life. And I know you recently talked about this at a, at a, a Cat howl event, um, something that kind of happened to you this year. So maybe can you kind of just set the stage for us a little bit? What what happened in your personal life and how did that affect your your business and everything else this year.
1: Yeah. And it'll be interesting talking about this topic too, because I have a really interesting story where we made our first, our company made its first million dollars in 2009. And then as the economy tanked, we lost everything and had to build back up. So I've, I've got some really, unfortunately some really great advice about <laughs> surviving <laughs> adversity. But um, this year, you know, in January we had something take place that gave me, a, gave me a real gift that came out of that tragedy. And that was that my, Brother, took his own life in january and that was very unexpected and, and very complicated and and obviously painful but he really gave me one last gift is what i say and you know when we were going through all of his stuff to create the slideshow of his life i found his old scriptures and he wasn't very religious at the time that he passed away but most of his life he was and i found these old scriptures and it's hard not to be able to visually demonstrate. I have pictures of this, but if you squish a book together, the opposite side of the spine, the long side of the pages, you can write a word across those pages. And he had the word nevertheless written there. And I thought, okay, that's really weird. Of all the words in the world, why would he choose nevertheless? So I did a little research and I figured out that um, in our LDS scriptures, it's you know over a hundred or 300 times, but in just the Bible alone, it's a hundred times. And in every instance of it, It talks about this hard, painful, horrible thing. Nevertheless, this beautiful, blessing, positive thing to focus on. And so we as a family decided to make that our family legacy. That regardless of what's going on in your life, there's always a nevertheless. And to always focus on the nevertheless. And as entrepreneurs, there's really a fine line and a blurred line between our personal life and our business life. And so, of course, that was such an impactful experience to me that... A silver lining of that is that that mindset bled over into my business. And so we're now really embracing that, you know, because especially as agency owners, things go wrong. Things happen. Sometimes it's your fault. Sometimes it's other people's fault. But we decided as a company to always face adversity with a nevertheless mindset, right? For working with our clients, we're working with internal staff, whatever it is there's always a nevertheless. And that's what we're going to be focusing on. And that has really changed, you know, walking into adversity with that mindset has really changed the outcome, how I experience it. And I think by extension, how people that I interact with are experiencing that adversity too, even if my adversity is with them. So it's been just a really cool change and I I want it to be my legacy and how I interact with the world. So,
0: Thank you for uh, for sharing that. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. uh, I imagine losing a family member, especially to uh, to suicide, is something that is you know could could I mean will probably take many years to process that. Uh, and um, sure. so I'm curious when because when I when I hear that, I mean I know that every listener to this program at some point in their life, whether it's happened yet for them or not, uh, is going to face something, you know were basically time stops, you know? I mean, your business, it's like, who cares? I mean, you know, if, if a family member like that uh, were to die in my life, I know that, um, you know, I would, I would probably take some time. I would, I would, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and depending on what my business was, was doing at that time, uh, in terms of being able to support myself and my family financially, I mean, you know, can I do that? I mean, some entrepreneurs might be in a situation where they they would like to take time or they'd like to process something like that and maybe don't have that luxury. Uh, when when that happened for you, what what was what was happening in and around that event? Was it just like I gotta you know check out of my company for a period of time, or uh, was it more of a you know I, I don't have that uh, ability quite yet.
1: You know, actually, it was such a such an interesting question that you asked because, unfortunately, I was actually in (laughs) in a business room around a a table of twelve really high profile people when I got the call. So I was actually in the middle of a really important business when the call came in, and I just had to leave. Obviously, but one thing that was so beautiful is, you know, when we merged uh, almost two years ago. It became very apparent that if we didn't create SOPs for every critical role in our company, that we were vulnerable. And we knew we would have a lot more business come in with the merger. And if we weren't structured to handle that business, that we would crash and burn. So because I had devoted a lot of time into putting SOPs in place, my businesses moved forward. I mean, I really didn't work for about a month. My businesses moved forward at probably 85% capacity. While I was away. And, you know, I think if it would have happened a year before and for sure two years before, the impact of me having to step out for that would have been devastating for my business. And the thing that's devastating when you're an agency is you burn clients. You're not just, oh, I didn't get sales this month. It's you're burning clients when you drop balls, right? Which by extension hits your reputation. And it's that's just really stressful. So I was able to you know, past Shelby gave present Shelby the gift of being able to handle that situation and process and be with my family um, without having to stress that my my clients and, and agency were going to catch on fire and burn to the ground. So that is something that I have been really grateful for through this process.
0: A lot of people, when they think of creating documentation or processes, uh, you know, they think of it in terms of, I need to build my business or I need to, you know, work myself out of seats, uh, mostly for some type of future, either to make more money, right. Or, or, or like thinking about exiting the business one day that I'm going to build these processes and create this thing. And maybe one day I could sell it or, or, or whatever. Uh, and what I've actually seen coaching thousands of entrepreneurs that, uh, more likely, the situation that you talked about is is, is probably more likely going to happen, which is something's going to come up in your life that was totally unexpected, totally unplanned for. You could not have predicted that it would have happened at any time, and it takes you out of the game. Uh, and so you, you actually had done a little bit of work with this new business, creating those SOPs. Um, how did you structure? I mean, obviously you didn't think to yourself, well, gosh, I'm going to make these so that, you know, I can take a month off if i if I'm forced to, but how did you approach creating your SOPs so that you could have that freedom of taking a month off to be with family?
1: Yeah. So it was really, it was interesting. And I didn't even think about, oh, this is here in case something goes wrong. I really started, you know, I've been running an agency long enough to understand that the heart of our business is our talent. And when you get to the level of clients that we're at, you know, you're not just working with that one social media person or that one paid traffic person so that you know you're going to get consistent results across all your clients. You now have teams of people. And how are we going to be able to you know, accurately predict the results that we're going to get if everybody does it a little bit differently and has their own strengths and weaknesses? So really, it came out of a desire to be able to guarantee consistent results And so what we did is we asked everyone in our team to first list, just make a bullet list of anything they do in the company, anything, as frequently as weekly or more frequently. So if they do it once a week or more frequently than that, it had to go in a list. And then we worked with them to identify the the top priority uh, of that list. And then, you know, at first, people get really hung up in SOPs thinking they have to be perfect, that their standard operating procedures have to be perfect, and they just get really frozen. So once we chose the priority uh, SOPs with each person or each team, then we just had them bullet the steps of what they do. And then slowly over time, we turned it into a full process. I'm happy to send some of my documents out to you so you could maybe... Because this is one thing that's a lot easier to grasp visually than it is hearing it. But we always put a purpose statement, you know, so instead of just saying, oh, this is an SOP so that Shelby's assistant knows how to manage her email, we talk about the intention, you know, this is an SOP that allows Shelby's assistant to manage her email so that we can all be more efficient and you can get more time with Shelby, right? So we, we try to really put the real why or the desired outcome in that purpose. And we put a table of contents in there. And then, then we have the steps. But the most important part of the SOP at the bottom, and I have to give a huge shout out to Dan Martell because the, the basis of my SOP system came from learning his SOP system. But um, the checklist at the bottom is what's supposed to be fireproof. You know, we agency owners sometimes think of ourselves as firefighters, but really we should be fire prevention. And by having that checklist, you know, the the steps are supposed to be done, but the checklist is theoretically, if after I was done with this task, I did these five or six steps, it can't go wrong. And what I love about this is then it allows us to blame faulty systems instead of blaming people. So when something does go wrong, we now look at, okay, what do we need to add to the SOP process and checklist so that that doesn't happen again? Or, hey, teammate, do you see that this happened because you didn't actually follow this process? So what do we need to do to make sure that that process is followed? So I really like the concept of blaming faulty systems instead of faulty people. And I like the um, that I'm working towards having the ability to just be into fire, fire prevention and not firefighting. And so that's really helped the um, morale and the confidence of our team because we know we're doing all the same thing. But I will give a warning at first people get very like, oh man are they' trying to replace me so they want to know how I do it. So you have to work through them to break through that mindset. Um, but once you get past that, it's great. It's the best thing I've ever done.
0: I love that uh, that mindset of faulty systems you know versus faulty, people when we work with uh, agency owners especially that when they're first hiring people and you know you just kind of have all this stuff in your head that you would like this person to do and maybe we let them in on 10% of that <laughs> and we just kind of say hey you know why why aren't they getting done what i want done like they don't see this like i see this and and and, and instead of blaming them look back at what, what have we put in front of them what documentation have we put in front of them what what outcomes what uh, intention have we put you know do have we let them in that you know managing your email or helping you schedule meetings is, is all about helping you get more time not just you know checking some boxes in, in in Google Calendar or something like that
1: yeah and I think it's interesting as agency owners one of our biggest pain points is especially when things get really tough when you're really in the muck of it and you feel like everything's going wrong and your clients are mad, The first thing we tend to say is, oh, my people just, they're they're letting me down. You know, why aren't my people doing better? And I've been there. I I think everybody who has an agency has been there. And at some point, what I really realized is I had to say, what's the common denominator here? (laughs) Common denominator here is me not actually setting my staff up for success. I am operating on a high level of assumed knowledge that would be ridiculous to think that they're going to come in with. And so if I don't have a way to get that out of my brain into a process that they can all follow with expectations of like, how could I possibly expect them to perform at the level that I wanted them to? And so it was a really hard, kind of sad thing to look in the mirror and realize, wow, sometimes people do fail. You don't get me wrong. But most of the time, I honestly believe if you're having a global pain point in your agency... You're probably at the heart of the problem. you really as the agency pro- owner probably are and the the time that when I decided that I could really be authentic and look in the mirror and own that, that's when things started to get a lot better.
0: Mm. you know i i uh, I was working with an agency owner and they kept telling me that you know, they could never hire good people. That there were no good people out there, and and I was like, huh? <laughs> it's like every person you hire is is not a good person. I'm like yeah, nobody's. <laughs> it's like cool. Like you know, may, maybe you know. I mean, ultimately, you, as, as an entrepreneur, like I'm responsible for the people that I find, right? I mean, if if I'm not attracting the right people, then um, you know, maybe it's time for me to look at my systems that I have for attracting people or the systems I have for onboarding or training people or setting expectations with people. I mean, if, if literally no one is, is, you know, able to work with you, then I think you're spot on that maybe the, the lowest common denominator is, is me or something I'm doing, you know, not.
1: Or something you're not providing that you don't realize you need to provide.
0: So you have uh, done a lot of work on SOPs and uh, standing o- standard operating procedures for, y- for your business. Uh, and, and I'd love for you to share with our audience um, some of those links. So if you guys want to check out the show notes, I will uh, I'll get as much as I can from Shelby uh, for, for you guys to take a look at some of that stuff. But, I mean, now that you've had this, I mean, massive life event and, and you're kind of coming out the other side, uh, and, and I hear you're kind of talking about SOP. So this is something you've been doing for a long time. You maybe have recently seen the benefit in that it gave you some time to process something that happened personally. Um, but are you now looking at this in the rear view and you're going, well, for my business, this SOP thing was the thing that allowed me to step outside of my business. Are you now putting a renewed emphasis on that uh, inside of your business and making that primarily your focus?
1: A hundred percent, Um I mean I have really good partners you know and I have re- really good team members and so I had already built a great support structure so I definitely can't undervalue that you know I'm not new in my business but I do find that mature experienced agency owners get distracted by shiny shiny object syndrome or make you know poor mistakes just like newer entrepreneurs do it's just that usually we have more resources to kind of compensate and clean up that mess so we maybe don't see it as much and so for, because I had this major life event and I had to step away and I had the benefit of being able to do that, it has made me definitely renew my focus. So we've recently restructured my role. And this is, to me, a sign that I'm finally getting towards the success that I want as an agency owner. Where I've been able to step back and really transition my role more on growing the agency, and instead of having to have my hands in the work all the time, Um, I still weigh in on strategy because I'm, you know, the top strategist when it comes to some of that intention stuff in Google, in my company. But I mostly can focus on growing the company, and one of my biggest areas of focus is the SOP system because of what I've seen it has done for me. And because I do get called in now and then to consult for other businesses and agencies, seeing what a lack of SOPs does to a company versus post-implementing SOPs, even at a basic level, level, the benefits that came from, I just have a renewed belief and testimony of what that can do, not only for the business and your clients getting consistent results. And also, FYI, avoiding scope creep, because that's a huge pain point in um, agencies. And if you have proper SOPs with how you make expectation setting with your clients, um, that really helps avoid scope creep, which is another big pain point. So yeah, that's just something really heavily that my personal role is focusing on. And my company is now behind. They were all a little slow to adopt it. It's kind of intimidating at first. But now that we're rolling with it, everybody's kind of like, where's an SOP on that? We want the SOP. They've learned to love it just because of how much it makes everyone's life easier.
0: So in in a way, your culture now demands clarity <laughs> around what what are we doing? Why are we doing it? What's the purpose of this? Give give me some direction here versus just saying, hey, go, you know, go link build for this client or go write 10 articles for this client. I mean, exactly you're actually having to, to explain that a little bit, which I think is good. I mean, if your culture is now saying this is important to us, then that's that's a big win.
1: I think so too. And I think it's a big win for my clients because You know, as an agency, especially if you're a young agency, you tend to want to give the moon to your clients because you just want to keep them and you're so excited to have that new revenue coming in. But that's a really quick way to set inappropriate expectations so that you can't scale properly. And being able to have, you know, it's difficult to set expectations with clients because they don't really understand fully, usually, what you're doing for them. And so it's our responsibility to set those boundaries and present it in a way that feels, natural to the client and not like you're pulling anything back from them. Because when you get into a situation where you're doing too much for them and then you have to pull back, that's usually a negative experience for the client. So it's really helped us with onboarding and how we move forward with our clients and being able to justify payment for things that we maybe used to just kind of do for free because we felt like we should just do it because they're a good client. And so I've really appreciated that side benefit of the process as well.
0: I wonder how many of us have set <laughs> how many of us and how often have we set inappropriate <laughs> expectations with our client? You know, I like ninety eight
1: percent. Oh, sure, we can do that. No problem. Yeah, we can do that. No problem. That's like the worst thing. I almost wanted to ban. Never say no problem. We can do that. That that statement is banned from my company.
0: <laughs> I was listen Somebody was in our in our, uh, our our U Academy group. Uh, Facebook community was, was talking about that like just last week about how saying no problem to a client's problem implies that uh, to the client, it implies that it, it's not really a problem. It's actually a way of, and I, and I do it all the time. I, I say no problem all, all the time. I think I when I, li- I lived in Australia for, uh, almost a year and I kind of got into this like no worries type of uh, vernacular and I, I think it's just, hey, I'm trying to communicate to you that I'm laid back and I got this. but it also right. can uh, in a way kind of not belittle but you know kind of make it discredit your clients' problems that they're obviously frustrated with this thing with whether it's their website or search isn't working right. And then when you go in there and you're just like, no problem, you know it's 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 not mm-hmm. actually recognizing that there is a problem. Uh, and, you know, versus reflecting to them, you know, what I heard from you was, you guys aren't able to get ranked on SEO. And that's the thing that you would like me to help you solve, right? Very different approach than saying, no problem, we got your SEO ranking, right?
1: Absolutely. And and it's interesting, when you talk about adversity, I really think of two sides of the coin as an agency owner, because there's all the kinds of adversity that you could have with your clients in your business, logistical, SOPs can solve that, right? There's that side of the house. But I also... And, and I and I can honestly say I'm growing out of this, but I, I can't say I've evolved past it yet. But I think being an agency owner in the circles that we run in, we get really quickly beat down about ourselves, or we compare our agency to someone else's agency, or our level of success to someone else's level of success. And there is no win in that. And, and I really believe that more business owners in general, but especially agency owners, I, I truly believe it's one of the hardest models, suffer from low self-worth, really the problem of attaching their self-worth to their net worth, um, thinking they're not good enough. And honestly, that thought process will manifest worse results in your business if you can't ar- arrive past that. And I think that that's something people don't talk about enough. Um, and I, and I, I so I always like to remind people... When you're at an event or with other agency owners, you're presenting your best face, right? Everybody else is doing that too. Like they don't know the crazy crud that's going on behind the scenes, just like you don't know it them. But I just wish that more agency owners could work together. You know, there's this really um, this culture among agencies that they just don't play nice with each other, and I I'm really striving to try to change that mentality because we would all do better in business if we could get past that self-worth, net worth connection and not be intimidated by each other. And there's more synergy when we're working together and helping and sharing. And so I don't really know what the answer to that is, but I think that culture among agencies is a problem.
0: So I'm, I'm curious, how how do you deal with that? I mean, when that when that record gets turned on in your head that you're you're not, you know, you're not good enough or you're not, your work isn't as good as this other company over there. Or man, I wish we were doing that better. Uh, I mean, I I don't know. I I have not perfected the ability to control those thoughts from coming in. It's how I react to those thoughts, but I'm curious. I mean, how do you, uh, how do you deal with that record playing?
1: Yeah. So it's definitely a process, but something, I think, you know, Chris Plow, he's, he's a good friend of mine, a fellow Maverick as well, but he said something to me one time that I have it, it takes some courage to lean into, but he said, when you're dealing with someone, so let so if I had a fear that I want to tell you something that's happened in my business, but I'm nervous that if I tell you that, that you're going to walk away with the impression that I'm a bad business owner or I don't know how to run business, right? But I might want to, like, I might think, man, I think Brent would know how to help me solve this problem, but I don't want to tell him this problem because then he'll think I'm a bad business owner and not want to do business with me, right? That's just one example. And so he taught me, this sounds so simple, but he said, lead with that. So I started leading with, Hey Brent, I have this thing that I wanted to talk to you about. My fear is that if I share it with you, you're going to think I'm not a good business owner, which is nothing to be farther from the truth, but I'm just, I'm having a hard time with that. And then I would share that. And 100% of the time the people come back with, Oh my goodness. No, you don't have to worry. Here's why. Well, and they just spew back at you how normal your issue is. Right. And so it's kind of sounds counterintuitive, but I've sort of started leading with my fear. Like my fear is da, 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 da. And then 100% of the time, the person will reassure me, whether they're being sincere or not, I have no control over that. But they'll, they'll usually not only reassure you that they're not going to take that thought process a takeaway, but they'll usually give you an example also of why that's something that I shouldn't feel that way about, right? So that has been eye-opening because it's gotten people that I look up to and that I think, are leagues ahead of me to be a little more vulnerable and open the picture. And where I've seen like, okay, actually this, I'm not too far off from where everybody else is. Right. So that has really helped. Um, But it's kind of scary to do the first few times because you're basically taking your clothes off and saying, here's my, (laughs) like look look at everything that's wrong with me right now. Um, So it's, but that was a really great piece of advice. I can't control the thoughts, but I can control what I do with them.
0: That that is interesting advice coming from Chris Plough. I, I believe he uh gave a keynote speech without clothes on one time. So uh, <laughs> I'll have to look that up. <laughs> he got naked, uh, you know, literally, uh among other things like uh, you know, riding. Well, I mean, most of us
1: have seen if yeah. you've
0: ever been in Mavericks long enough, you've seen Chris Plough naked at some point. So. <laughs> um and, and, and I mean, this idea, I mean, when, when when this happened with your brother, to kind of go back to that, I mean, talking about overcoming adversity, I mean, you mentioned the moment of getting the news and, and being, you know, kind of in, in this meeting with important people doing important things. But I mean, what, what else did you find in that crisis? I mean, I think... Uh, mm-hmm. You know, there's entrepreneurs all the time talking about crisis of meaning, kind of the the dark night of the soul. I mean, both, you know, sometimes things happen within your business or without your business. Uh, and we all that have been on this train for long enough, you know, know that it will happen again. It happened before. And, and you start to maybe develop either calluses or tools. And, and is there anything that you, uh, any other tools or tactics that you have um, been able to use as you went through that situation with your brother? Or maybe some things that you had been doing that you... Continued to refine?
1: Yeah, and I can give you a really good contrast. So I mentioned that in 2009, my my first company made its first million dollars, and I was like, we're going to be rich forever. I was naive. And um, then, you know, because the economy tanked in 2008, <clears throat> my business did great. And I thought, oh man, all these businesses know they have to really rely heavier on monetizing their, you know, online arm. So my business may be recession proof, and that was true for a while. And then everybody outsourced everything to India. So very quickly, I was left with you know at the time 200 people in my staff, um, and for a and I had to make a decision because I either had to let all my people go that I had put years of training into in my proprietary processes, or I had to keep paying them and not take a paycheck myself. And I was in tune enough with Google to really believe that Google would not allow. The third world country type of SEO to succeed for very long. So, so I took a gamble and I kept paying my people for a year. I didn't take a paycheck. I lost two houses. I lost everything. Right. And so I made the right decision. I came out on the other side. But at the time when I went through that, I felt like I was dying. I mean, I just felt like my baby was burning to the ground. I was so stupid. How could I do this? I just. It was, I mean, I probably aged myself. I was so just sick with stress and worry and unhappy. um, And then fearful rebuilding after going through that experience. But also, going through that experience, I learned nobody died. You can always make more money. You know what I mean? Like, in some ways, after going through that almost losing everything in business experience, I realized I walked away on the other side. So, when this thing happened with my brother, It was kind of at a critical time because even though the merger was almost two years ago, we really built slowly. So we were right at the height of taking on a bunch of new high-level clients. And I was really like, okay, this is going to happen again. I'm going to lose everything. This is going to be really painful. I don't want to go through this again. And very quickly, I snapped myself out of that mindset and I thought, no, I've got this foundation. I've got these people. I was very transparent. Instead of trying to hide what was going on, everyone who was important in my world, whether they're a client or a staff member or a business, I told them what was going on. I sat down and said, I'm not going to be present. If I was, you wouldn't have me anyway. What do we need to do to cover me? What do we need to do to cover Shelby? What do we need to do to Shelby proof this situation? And so by being really transparent with my staff and allowing them to create solutions with me is the only reason my company did so well through that hardship. It wasn't because of me. It's because I was able to be vulnerable with my staff and give them the power to fix it. Because one thing I loved about... I love EOS. I love um, rocket fuel and uh, traction. And... He says something in that book that I really resonated with, which is entrepreneurs tend to make leadership teams that aren't real leadership teams. They can't really make real decisions. They still have to come back to you for everything. And I had been trying to transition out of that, but I wasn't trying hard enough. And when this everything hit the fan, I brought in my main team. I'm like, what do it? What's the solution? You know your department's better than me. I can't even think. Right now, I don't even care. What's the solution? And I let them run with it. And it wasn't perfect, but they did a really good job. They stepped up. And so in some ways, that situation forced me to create real leaders out of my leadership team. And they have stayed operating at that level since that happened. And so I think that that was a huge difference. Whereas when everything fell apart the first time, I was the only real leader in my company you Know I it was all on me. And so therefore the entire failure was on me and the entire success was on me. And this time it's my team that carried the ball for me. They solved the problem for me. And so I think that that tool and continuing to really have the courage to allow my team to be leaders, which means handing them something that you know that you could do amazingly and watch them do it 80% as good as you, but that's great. You know, not if they could do it as well as me, they'd own their own company, right? So So learning to allow them to be leaders, letting them make mistakes, having transparent communication, even with my clients when things aren't going well. And and that has stayed with me. So I don't know if that is really what you were asking, but that in talking about it, developing and letting them be real leaders and carry the ball really has been an amazing transformation for me.
0: Wow. That's, I mean, both... uh, uh, uh vulnerable and beautiful story and the takeaways there. I mean I I have nothing else to add to that, Shelby. I think you're uh you have you've come a long way and um I uh I'm I'm very impressed and uh am proud of of you being able to um continue to learn from these types of things. Uh, be able to uh, find that silver lining. Uh, I love the quote of nevertheless. Um, my personal theme this year is to find the good. So I had no idea that that was something that came out of that uh, for you. And I've t- taken a lot of, of notes and taken away a lot from our conversation today. I want to thank you for that.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm i so glad that we chose this topic. I know we could have talked about a lot of really amazing business topics, but I, I really think that there's so many great places for agency owners to find really great business advice, but there's not enough wells of vulnerability to understand how to navigate when things don't go well. And in this particular story that I'm talking about is when things didn't go well in my personal life. And it actually wasn't just that. I had four funerals in the first 60 days of 2018. I planned two of them and spoke at three of them, if that gives you any idea of my year so far. But, you know, so it was, a, there was a lot going on and I think that there's not enough Tactical advice of how to survive that. There's a lot of feel good fluff, but I want to feel good, but I need tactics so my business doesn't go under, right? So I'm just, I'm glad that we're talking about this. And I hope that more people will get together and more agency owners will talk to each other about how they're navigating because we are each other's best strength. There's no other business model that really can completely relate to what we do as agency owners. And, and so we really need to support each other and improve our own culture. To really scale better, I, I believe. I'd like to see that
0: happen. I would as well. Do I have uh, enough time with you, Shelby, to do a couple of lightning round questions?
1: Yeah, of course. Let's go.
0: All right. Uh, what is the best advice you've ever received? Ooh.
1: The best advice I ever received was to be authentic to who I am and allow people to be authentic to who they are and not allow the difference to be a pain point. People, or we live in a culture where people feel like they have to hide who they are for one reason or another. And if they differ from someone else, that that has to be a contentious thing. And, and I think the best advice I ever got was to just be myself and allow other people to be themselves, appreciate the similarities and move forward despite the differences. And that's probably the best advice I ever got.
0: Which of your personal habits has contributed most to your success? Um,
1: my morning routine. Um, for me, that's scripture reading, journaling, meditation. Uh, I would say centering my mind and, and uh, creating a nevertheless mindset has contributed to my success more than anything tactical or business that I could have learned.
0: Can you share an internet resource or a tool that you use regularly that you think our listeners would find valuable?
1: Well, I mean, they probably all use them. I live out of Google docs. <laughs> <laughs> I love Google Docs. I live out there. You know what I will tell you, this is what I think is the greatest thing since sliced bread. So the world of Evernote and the world of Moleskin notebooks have combined where you can go buy a regular notebook and you write in it. And if you take a picture of it with your Evernote app, if it's in that notebook, it becomes a word-searchable electronic document. So I now have electronic notebooks full of all of my handwritten notes because I'm a handwriter. I don't retain if I don't write it down. And now I can turn those into word-searchable documents as if it was a, a text document. Um, that is probably the thing that has rocked my world the most, technology-wise. I love that.
0: What book would you recommend and Why? What
1: book would I recommend
0: and why?
1: Uh, I love... I know it's old school, but I love Traction. Traction um, really called me out on not running my business like a business. And what I love about it, instead of teaching me principles, it gave me a implementable, tactical, logistical process to implement it in my business. And so I can't say enough about that. And I heard there's a follow-up book, Rocket Fuel. I've only skimmed it. I haven't read it. But yeah, that was... That was business renovating for me.
0: <laughs> can you tell our audience how they can find out more about you or if there's anything that you have uh, that they can check out?
1: Yeah. Um, if you go to my LinkedIn pri- pro- profile, Shelby B. Larson, um, all my companies are linked on there. Um, my book that it publishes on there. Uh, I had a podcast going for a while. There's links to everything on there. And I love it if people connect with me on LinkedIn. I, I love that because then we have a lot more access to each other and I can see what you're doing and you can see what I'm doing big proponent of LinkedIn.
0: Very cool. Well, if you guys are, driving on a run uh check out our show notes we'll link out to everything that is shelby larson right there uh and we'll also connect with you shelby to to get some of those sop resources we'd love to share that with you guys check that out at our show notes uh you click on podcast to find shelby's episode and uh and you'll get lots of great resources there uh shelby thanks again for coming by the show today to talk about um all this good stuff from adversity sops um legacy amazing episode thank you so much
1: Thank you. It's my
0: pleasure. All right, guys, that is our episode for this week of the Digital Agency Show. Tune in uh, each and every week for more great content coming at you from you gurus. Until then, I'm Brent Weaver. Thanks again for tuning in to the Digital Agency Show. Before we close out, I wanted to check in on your answer to my question from the beginning of the episode.